0: Well, welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast, a podcast, podcast all about life and leadership through the lens of Australian basketball. And joining me on the podcast today is former NBL referee and now aspiring NBA referee, Jackie Dover. Now, after making her NBL officiating debut in May 2021, she's very much taken the officiating ranks by storm. She was the first ever indigenous uh, referee to referee in the NBL. And is now part of the NBA's Referee Development Program and doing some great things over in the States at present. We're going to dive into that with her today. We're also going to touch on the state of Indigenous basketball affairs in the sport of basketball in Australia. And very much looking forward to hearing her story as well. So, Jackie Dover, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast.
1: Thank you. It's quite an intro, but uh, thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to chatting around around everything
0: basketball. Nice. It's uh, encouraging to see what you're doing over there in the States, Jack, and obviously we'll dive into that. But last time I saw you, um, I was a uh, commissioner for the Sydney Kings, I think, Perth Wildcats game in January. And fast forward a couple of months, you're over in New York or in the States as part of the NBA Referee Development Program. So um, first of all, for our listeners, who may not be aware of what you're doing and what you've achieved. Uh, How did that come about and uh, what is the referee uh, development program in the NBA
1: all about? Uh, yeah, so it's um, it's an opportunity essentially uh, for the six of us that are in the program to uh, learn everything pro rules and mechanics in line with the NBA. Um, actually seeing you yeah, at that Sydney game was the last game I did on the NBL yeah. uh, on court before heading over, so that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and that was quite a game to finish off on too.
0: Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> sure
1: um, Yeah, Uh, how that all came about was um, a bit of curiosity on my end, to be honest. Um, Bit of Google, looking at the NBA pathway, you're knowing that NBA officials get to do uh, games throughout a season as their full-time role um, and on a good enough wage to to make that your full-time career. Um, So that was something that I was interested in. Uh, About two, three years ago, I kind of looked into it a bit more depth and kind of put myself out there, just created a profile on the officiating web. Uh, site that they have available. Um, didn't think too much of it. Just thought i um, one of however many thousand referees that do that probably out yeah. of the States. Um, and then a an email was sent out for people to apply to go to a tryouts in Chicago. Um, so I recall even filling it out, sending it to my mate uh, and being like, oh, I just filled this out. Nothing will happen. Um, but have a good laugh about it. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was about four, three, four weeks prior to the tryouts in Chicago, uh, got notified that I was selected for it. Um, So it was a bit of a whirlwind trying to get a a visa to go over temporarily to go for a a little trip over there, Um, plan a trip over (laughs) as well um, and get myself to Chicago. But that's essentially how it started. And from there, I was um, included in what they call a pipeline program um, with their candidates that they're looking at. Uh, COVID hit not too long after. So that was August um, before COVID kind of took the world over. Um, and all the camps and everything like that was kind of put off. Um, The first camps back post-COVID actually happened next month for grassroots, Um, so it's been a long two years for the NBA for their officiating program as well. So, um, yeah, it's just been doing a lot of online pipeline program um, with the NBA, uh, learning off uh, all the guest speakers they have on there and the scouts and uh, trainers that they have running that, which is really cool. Um, And then it was... Last year when I was, I think, four weeks into uh, being a New South Wales person living there uh, mm-hmm. and in the, the second lockdown, um, that there was an email that went out to apply for a position in the RDP. So I went through a, a full job interview process for that um, and was lucky enough to be selected. So um, I think from then the first couple of months after being selected went a bit slow, and then all of a sudden it was January and we were heading off and it came really fast. So it's been a it's been exciting but a eventful past eight months.
0: Absolutely, that's incredible incredible to hear and just I guess another uh, pathway I guess for up and coming referees to aspire to. Um, you know, not just the NBL but taking this step. It's really encouraging to hear. But I'll touch more on that in just a moment with you. But I just want to sort of. I ask a question, I ask all my guests that come on the podcast, and that's sort of like your genesis story or your beginning story. How did you get into the sport of basketball? Um, Were you a player? Have you always refereed? Um, What sort of uh, circumstances led to you playing or or refereeing, and how did you get involved in the sport?
1: Uh, So I was pretty much born into basketball. (laughs) Um, I'm one of five kids and the second youngest of my oldest uh, or older sisters, uh, were all involved uh, from mum and dad being quite heavily involved in Gold Coast basketball. So for mm. as long as I can remember, I've been at a basketball stadium most nights a week um, yeah. and so grew up being a player. Mm. Uh, I think I was about 12, 13 and I got roped in some into some refereeing uh, at Gold Coast just to, I guess, we're spending so much time at the stadium. We got conned in to make a bit of money <laughs> for it and then yeah. I did that for maybe two, three years uh, mm. just at a club level. And then I actually moved up to Townsville as a player um, to try make it through the State League and onto the WNBL team up there, um, mm. being the only women's team we had at the time in Queensland. That was mm. uh, a pathway I chose to try and pursue. Um, mm. And then I took a break from refereeing because about a 15, 16-year-old that thought they knew all the rules um, <laughs> and clearly never fouled before in my life, yeah, uh, yeah, I course. started to become a bit of that player that a lot of us referees find hard to handle. Yeah. Um, So I took a step back from refereeing and just stopped altogether um, Mm. to try continue that playing pathway. Um, And then actually being a good bench warmer, uh, probably not kind of progressing further than I thought I would get in terms of my skills and my ability to be out on the court. Mm. Um, I got a couple of minutes in my last state league season as a player for Townsville and dislocated my shoulder and started reffing during the rehab process. And then my refereeing kind of just took off. So I, I never really attempted to play again. It's probably for the best. Um, but yeah, the refereeing space uh, has been really beneficial for me and I've really enjoyed being on the court in that capacity as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And You mentioned just before we started the actual uh, interview that you had some time with the North Queensland Cowboys were up there while you are up there as well in Townsville. So uh, how did that come about and what was your role with them?
1: Yes, yeah, so I got pretty lucky in my uh, work career pathway. <laughs> so, um, playing state league uh, with Chloe Brassard, um, I remember us being uh, in Cairns for a, a, it was QBL back then, but a QBL weekend. Um, and the Tons of Fire were actually looking for a community engagement officer um, for the club. So, um, we had a chat. I applied for it, um, got the role for that, um, which is a new role, really exciting. So, I worked for the fire for about one, uh, it was about two years. And I went from community engagement officer into um, uh, the operations manager for the last nine months of my time there. Um, And then out of that, that's kind of the time where I got back into refereeing. Um, That first year of refereeing, I kind of progressed at a pace I wasn't really expecting. Um, and was trying to push onto the WNBL panel and a bit of a conflict of interest there. So I was chatting to my boss um, at the fire at the time and he said, do you want me to reach out for the Cowboys see if they've got anything going? And I said, that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I actually got a role as uh, in the community department at the Cowboys. So we got to travel around, uh, deliver football um, and school engagement programs around North Queensland um, and even a couple of schools down Brisbane way and out at Cundamola too. So that was a really exciting role. I really enjoyed that. Um, growing up playing touch down at Kiber Park as well so I was kind of in another sport that I enjoyed um, and then got to travel around all through Queensland and get some really awesome trips there and really for me as well learning a lot more about my culture um, outside of what I learned growing up and at school as well so it was pretty cool Um, and I feel really connected to Townsville as well and I think that was a huge part for it as well
0: Mm, absolutely that's awesome I was going to touch on this later on, but we'll touch on it now because you're talking about the Cowboys and obviously you've probably being around players like Jonathan Thurston and those sort of guys that um, also have uh, you know Indigenous heritage like yourself and proud Indigenous woman that you are. But um, having that time with the Cowboys and, and travelling around in that role, but also your time um, in basketball, something I wanted to touch on is, I guess, um, trying to encourage more Indigenous kids, I guess, to take up the game. Obviously, they love their rugby league. They love their... Uh, afl um but i think there's an untapped potential there you know just look at indigenous population there's such great athletes and um you know we've got Paddy mills we've got nate jy uh Bawali bales at the sydney kings is coming through but what can we do to sort of tap into this potential and and see more indigenous uh, kids taking up the sport of basketball in your opinion
1: i think um I think it comes down to resources and just getting out into community. I know um, AFL and NRL do a really good job of it, but it is really easy to pick up a footy and teach mm-hmm. kids to pass and that type of thing. Whereas basketball, we obviously require a surface, the, the hoop, the basketball and that type of thing. So I think it's initiatives like what Patty's doing with IBA um, and what's available through some government funding, but to kind of really push that from the top down so we can provide the opportunity for kids to get involved. And then I think it's just a matter of going out there. Um, When anyone goes out there, uh, out into community and can bring some sport and someone different in that the kids can play with and and get involved is always a benefit. I know um, with the Cowboys, I did a fair um, bit of travel with Maddie Bowen and um, I remember being in a classroom at one visit and obviously NRL is a male sport but the kids are asking Maddie all these questions and then he said, oh, does anyone else have any other questions? One kid put his hand up, he would have been maybe grade two or three and was like miss why don't we see you on the tv for the cowboys like the kids (laughs) don't really like it's not so much the game or anything it's the fact of having someone from the organization or from the sport there so Mm -hmm. i think it's just getting out in community and just giving them the opportunity so they can get some training and they can get some skills built up Mm -hmm. Um, and then keeping an eye out like the cowboys do a really good job with the nrl cowboys house and so does the afl with the houses they have available to bring Kids from community in to get an education and then to be exposed to um, your mainstream uh, areas where there's the sport accessible for them to pick what they want to play. So mm. I think that's a it's a big one, um, but mm. I think it's definitely doable.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And um, I guess too, from the NBL's point of view, we've obviously seen the uh, recent NBL uh, Indigenous round, and that's been great success, and that's really been taken off the last few seasons and really spearheaded by guys like Tyson Demos. who was at the Forks and that sort of thing. So, um, and I guess the NBL have been proactive in putting in boards and action plans and that sort of thing to encourage participation with Indigenous athletes. But um, is from the NBL's point of view, are they doing enough? Could they do more? Um, it's great to have an Indigenous round, but uh, practically speaking, do you think, um, from your point of view, there could be more done in that area?
1: Yeah, I think they definitely do do an awesome job. I know having that new um, agreement with the Indigenous Pathways for the more elite area um, is awesome. I think it's a great opportunity to give guys a go that might not necessarily get looked at um, or have been overlooked just based off their location or just the opportunities haven't been presented to them or they haven't been accessible, I guess. Um, I think there's definitely more in terms of like what the NRL and the AFL doing, but I think that's uh, based off, like if you look at how many players are involved in an NBL team compared to an NRL or an AFL, I think they have the capacity to do a lot more because of the volume of numbers that are involved in the sport. Just in general, in one team, you're tripling how many people are involved in an NBL team. So mm. um, I think what they do with community and how they spread the games out and take them to different areas for the for the blitz and the preseason stuff is good. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's not just the NBL; it's everywhere. I think mm. as A nation, we can just provide those opportunities more. But it's not just going to be one organisation that's going to get the job done. It's got to be everybody hands on deck. So Mm. um, I think there's always areas for improvement in a whole range of um, aspects of the game as well. So Mm. um, I think we're on a good path. uh, Mm. But as always, is yeah, that room for improvement on many levels.
0: Absolutely, well said. I guess moving back into your sort of career, you sort of make those steps early on, and then um, fast forward a little while, and you making your NBL debut, as I said, May 2021. Can you lead us through the build-up to that game? No doubt, some nervous energy going on. Um, How did it come about? And um, I remember doing a few games with you on the emergency ref side of things, but then all of a sudden you're on the court. So how was that? And um, yeah, just lead us through that build-up to that game.
1: Yeah, I guess my debut, I wasn't quite expecting that season. Um, That was my first year involved in the NBL program um, in the ERP. Um, which is the elite referee program that the NBL do to develop referees. Mm. Um, So I had pretty good availability, hence seeing me a lot in the emergency spot, um, which was a really good learning curve for me. Um, Just being in that emergency spot, you've got a headset on, you can hear all the referees and the player interactions, which helps with my communication Mm. Um, and just being involved with the rest pre and post game as well as Mm. um, is good. And then you kind of got exposed to what an NBL referee life looks like in terms of travel and hotels and, I think that year we had the lockdowns. I was stuck in mm. the Sydney hotel for a week and a yeah. half with an overnight yeah. suitcase. So
0: Gosh. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. the COVID year.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, getting the call out for that game um, was pretty cool. I definitely didn't expect it. I was thinking maybe the season after um, or the one after that. So um, that was definitely the nerves. I think it was more around um, just getting to do it. You've got a microphone, you're on TV, that type yeah. of thing brings okay. it. Um, and I think a lot of it came from the more the media attention that came with that um, in no way did I think that that would come about. I know when I got the nomination, I didn't even realize it was indigenous round. Um, Mm. So that made it more special when I found that out. Um, But yeah, the media that came with it was a bit different, Um, but I guess that's all part of the development as a person and being involved in sport. uh, It can't hurt to be able to talk to people (laughs) on the radio or TV and that type of thing. So it was really cool. I was for, I guess, a starting game, there's a lot of things that I can work on out of that game. But I think to be able to debut in an Indigenous round up in North Queensland too, I don't yeah. think I could have picked a more perfect game for me to kind of enjoy and try to embrace it and enjoy that entire 40 minutes out on the court.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Cairns versus Brisbane, I think um, it was, and it would have been very special being up there for that. Um, yeah, Did you, do you remember much about the game or was it a bit of a blur?
1: My jump ball was really high. I did a practice right <laughs> before it, and it looked all right. And then I did it there, and it was very high. So I think it hit the rafters yeah. and then came down to the, the top. Um But no, like the, guy, the guys on the court were, were really lovely as well, just wow. congratulating me as they were lining up to start the game. Um, but it's just, for me, I tried to really take in that game, um, the, the opportunity to, to go out there and show what I can do and to implement everything I learnt from that entire season leading up to it. Um, especially working in the replay centre like that's another awesome resource that the nbl has and mm. being able to jump in there as a development referee definitely helped me a to be able to now pick up travels i uh, couldn't do that too much too well before
0: yeah. um
1: but yeah it was it was pretty cool i really enjoyed it
0: mm. that's awesome it's awesome to see and uh, just a question around, I guess, there has been some criticism around the NBL referee over the past few seasons and I want to tread carefully because I know your semi's still involved and may potentially will be down the track. But I guess is that criticism um, fair um, at the NBL referees? I know I would hate to be a referee. I know, I, as you said, coming through the sport of basketball, you sort of, uh, you do everything. You're called supervisor, you're referee. And so I've refereed quite a few games myself and been on the end of a few verbal sprays and that sort of thing, but I can't imagine what it's like at that level and the pressure. But um, is there room for improvement there from an NBL officiating point of view? Is that criticism fair? And if so, what do you think needs to be put in place so that um, the NBL officiating can continue to grow and WNBL for that matter as well?
1: Yeah, I think um, what the MBL is doing with the ERP program and the opportunities like we spoke before, we uh, officially jumped on here in terms of having um, got the two full-time referees and then uh, it was three part-time referees. That's nothing that we've necessarily had prior to maybe four or five years ago when the guys jumped on full-time. Um, that's definitely an area that's going to really increase the uh, the accuracy of the panel by having people being able to kind of really focus on the refereeing rather than working a full-time job, traveling in the day before so then you can work mm. during the day and then go out and referee is definitely going to take that toll off the officials themselves. Mm. Um I think uh, as a referee, we're still human. We're still mm. going to make errors regardless of the league um, and how many years of training you've had. Mm. Um, we try really hard to be in a position to make a good call or make a good judgment. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, I guess, similar to the players at that elite level. People are mm. still making mistakes. Um, I know from being involved in it, the accuracy is increasing and it's getting better every year. And that expectation from us and what, what the referees are putting in in terms of the hours off the court of reviewing games, um, staying fit, preparing for games too um, is a big thing as well. Um, So I think there's in any sport there's always areas to increase the officiating, Um, but until it's a 100% accurate robot out there doing it, there's still going to be that uh, margin for error. Um, The criticism's a bit tough at times, uh, but I guess that's just part of the game as long as it's not over the top. I know I expect it, um, but yeah, as long as it's not out of line, then it's all part of the game, and it makes it what it is. I guess um, the NBL, being in the green shirt, you're probably the easiest person to to blame for for something out on the court. So we'll we'll take one for the team, and we'll take that on board.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, very well said. I think yeah, too, it can be um, yeah unfair at times, but yeah, I guess it's the nature of the role. But i um, just stepping back into, I guess, um, the. the the role you're in now with the NBA's uh, Referee Development Program. Uh, You explained to me earlier the sort of progress to be able to officiate an NBA game and potentially be Australia's first ever Indigenous um, person to referee an NBA game, not just an NBL game, which would be awesome, but there's a bit of a, I guess, uh, progression there for you. Can you explain a bit about that and um, what you need to, what hoops you need to jump through before you can um, set foot on an NBA court?
1: Yeah, so um, the RDP role I'm in is a bit separate to the actual pathway in terms of the steps you need to kind of achieve to get to the G League and then onto the NBA. Um, So they've got a a pathway similar to how we do in Australia in terms of making your way through the ranks, so being on the G League and then being uh, called up onto the NBA or WNBA that way. Um, So to get to the G League, uh, you go through a three-camp process. Uh, The top candidates out of each camp will get selected to then attend the, the level above camp. And then out of that final third camp, uh, they offer contracts to uh, G League officials or new G League officials. And then you initiate the summer league and work on your draft that way and then getting ready for the season that runs in conjunction with the NBA. Um, so that process actually starts next month. So I received my invite uh, a week or two ago to attend the first camp. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, but the IDP role I'm in, thank you. <laughs> the IDP role I'm in just essentially gives me Uh, a a seven-day-a-week opportunity to go out there and apply the rules, the mechanics and things that I need to be working on and and mastering before that first camp. So then I'm in a good position to hopefully if I go out there and and do a good job, progress through uh, all the way to that G League contract um, within the next one to three years would be uh, a good goal. (laughs) Uh, It's something I'm definitely striving for. So the sooner I can get into the G League and be at a level that they're wanting me out on the court um, and doing the things that they're after here then mm-hmm. the sooner that I'll hopefully be out on the NBA court one day.
0: Oh, that was so good. We look forward to seeing that, Jackie. Look forward to it indeed. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess um, you mentioned earlier just it is a different world over there, the NBA. is such a massive beast in terms of, um, I guess, the business side of things. But what are some of the cool things that you've seen? You said you said to me earlier, the office and just going in there and, and seeing the Larry O'Brien trophy. Uh, what are some of the crazy things that you've seen? I know you've only been there for a few weeks, but, um, yeah, how's it been over there?
1: Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, it's definitely, the office is anyone that's grown up watching NBA or, or liking Michael, Kobe, any of those guys. Um, we're essentially in like a, a museum of the NBA at the office. You've got old hardwood floors um, as yeah. parts of the floor. Um, the cafeteria area has four big screens, TV, so they play games wow. uh, all the time. You're in the different areas and they have NBA games going left, right and centre. You've got photos everywhere um the trophies there and some uh wilt Chamberlain memorabilia all that type of thing but yeah, it's, it's pretty much an, an nba fan museum <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we just get to work in it which is pretty cool yeah. um and then i was able to go in the replay center uh last week and then i head in there again this week coming um which is i guess a, a ref nerd heaven uh, yeah, you get yeah. every <laughs> angle of plays you want to look at and things you want to pick up on and uh and see some cool stuff and reviews in there um mm-hmm. but yeah it's really exciting um, and, yeah, I'm just trying to embrace it all, go in and, and study the rules um, days off that we don't necessarily need to be in the office. I find myself there in the conference rooms just <laughs> taking it all in um, yeah. and just trying to really embrace being in the ref ops department and, and being around the guys that are there um, to learn off them and just to kind of network and, and get involved in that way, any way that I can, really.
0: Mm, no, that's awesome. I guess um, with all that in mind, and you, you you shared the progression to, Refereeing an NBA game but I guess Have you set yourself Any aspirations Is there any certain goals Or are you just Enjoying the ride um, Yeah what have, have you put in any Sort of five year plans Where do you see yourself um, Or what level Do you see yourself Getting to uh,
1: Yeah I've definitely Got time limits on or well, not time limits But time On, on when I want to be Achieving the goals um, mm-hmm. I would definitely Like to be uh, Progressing through That camp process This year um, And then mm-hmm. Making my way there uh, next year if if i don't make it this year that that's fine i'll take out the things that i need to work on and go from there but i'd like to push onto that g league panel um and then kind of progress my way through the g league onto finals and then the nba within uh 2 to 2 to 4 years after being on the g league would be nice um i think that if i can be uh officiating at that higher quality of standard and improving the way that they want and implementing everything in terms of that pro mechanics and rules um right. that yeah i guess you should be progressing if you're if you're doing what they're after um right. and you're kind of taking on board the learning and the resources that they have available in the nba for us to learn and to to get better and be the best official we can right. um but yeah i've, I've definitely got timelines. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm a bit too competitive to just kind of chill and take it all back. I'm definitely enjoying yeah. the ride, um, mm. but I, I come out, came over for a reason and that reason is to get to the NBA. So mm. I'll, I'll keep working away at that.
0: Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, as we finish up, just a few quick fire questions, I guess, in around round, um, yeah, just your, your uh, experience and your highlights so far. But is there one key highlight that stands out so far in your career, obviously making your NBL debut, but is there anything else that sort of stands out as a, a highlight so far?
1: Yeah, I think that was definitely it. Um, Mm. Being involved in the the WNBL season up in Townsville was nice as well to be Mm. at a referee at a frequent uh, rate in terms Mm. of two or three games a week and just being back in Townsville and Mm. around the players and the referees at that standard um, was really enjoyable too. That was probably one that I enjoyed the most in terms of um, experience. Um, On the court, definitely my debut game Mm. um, was... Definitely want to take in. And I actually think my last game uh, at Sydney was uh, cool for such mm-hmm. an engaged crowd um, and to be involved in that and on the court with the guys I was, that was pretty awesome as well. And the Illawarra game that I worked down there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a nice big crowd and vocal crowd is always one I enjoy yeah. working. We had a, the double overtime down in Illawarra. Yeah. That was definitely up there as well. That's
0: right. I remember that one. <laughs> good times. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was good to share those experiences with you as well, to an extent. But um, what's one player, I guess, in the MBL that you've been surprised by? Like, sort of, there's all these sort of personalities in the MBLs. Anyone that you sort of were a bit wary of, thought they are going to be a bit of, you know, um, carry on a little bit, but actually been a really nice guy. Has any players stood out in that regard?
1: Um, I don't know if it was necessarily thinking that they were going to be on the the other side of it. Um, I think I've been pretty well received joining the panel as somebody new. I don't know if there's necessarily one person there. Sorry to disappoint you, Dan. (laughs)
0: That's right. But I
1: think in general, when it has gone the other way in terms of firing back or or not necessarily enjoying the call I've made, that... um, I mean, we had the coaches challenge, so there was a couple of challenges I had against me, um, and that mm. is a really good asset to the game as well. Um, I'm mm. definitely a fan that if you challenge my call and I'm wrong, I would rather have the call right um, than yeah. get it wrong and, and not have that ability to change it over. So I think that's a good addition to the NBL, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't necessarily find that I had those experiences in the NBL. Um, mm. We're always going to have guys that don't agree with the calls we make, and that, that's just mm. part of the game. But, yeah. um, there's definitely ones you look at after and you go, okay, I see their point, um, and you take it on, and right. you can chat to them later and improve on the
0: game from there. Right. Absolutely, and just finally, any players that I guess playing the sport, you've sort of obviously maybe, maybe not been in awe of some of the abilities in the WNBL and NBL, but any players sort of when you referee, just been awesome to see up close and their their ability. I guess.
1: I think Anneli Maley in the WNBL hub, just yeah. for somebody that you don't expect to go out there and be leading in the rebounds and everything like that and she's done it again this season I think um, she's somebody that's kind of just uh, risen the past year or two Um, Mm. and I think she's got a training contract in the WNBA now so hopefully that works out really well for her but Mm. I think just seeing her in the Townsville hub Mm. um, game in and game out it's just that kind of tenacious effort on every single possession Um, is really quite impressive to see as well
0: yeah awesome NBL anyone standing out there
1: no, I think there's a lot of great athletes out there. I think um, <laughs> yeah. even that Brisbane overtime win um, was at uh, time zones confusing me. Maybe last yeah. night, the night before, mm. uh, with Dremick draining that three at the end to oh. uh, to win seven down with 20 seconds to go. I think that's a really solid effort from Brisbane Bullets. Yeah. They've got some good guys there and gelling together and hopefully it pays off for them. But there's a lot of teams like that in the league that oh. um, we've got some really good athletes there. So. It's mm. enjoyable to watch. I'm usually a day behind in watching games or the highlights. Mm. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's cool to, to see it all nicely packaged together on Instagram to watch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's awesome. It's been awesome chatting with you, hearing your story. Obviously, it could go a bit deeper, go a bit longer, but I really enjoy hearing your story today, Jackie. So, Jackie, David, thanks for joining us on the More Than A Game podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. It was uh, great to finally be able to jump on.
0: <laughs> yeah, we finally got there. Thanks, Jackie. Take care. And all the best. <laughs>